interesting that so many Christians in America, anyway, in the West, are kind of relatively unaware of angelic activity around them, maybe a little leery, you know, or whatever, um, somewhat unaware of the dreams of the night and stuff. And But yet every Christian in America in the West celebrates Christmas and believes in the uh, angelic choir and, you know, the angel appearing to Mary and Joseph, right? I mean, isn't it fantastic that that, uh, they, that uh, Joseph had a dream and uh, the Lord warned him to take the baby and flee because Herod sought to kill him in a dream, you know? And uh, I was thinking about just the angelic encounters that we're going to look at Mary's here in just a minute, but also the shepherds, uh, the star. I, w- I was hoping to preach on the Magi this morning because I'm really fascinated by those guys, however many of them there were. Um, and, uh, but it's, uh, maybe another time, um, but the star, all these different things are so supernatural in nature. So how much more does God uh, desire to reveal himself to us even today in his world? Amen. I mean, do you think that there are hosts of heavenly angels singing here with us this morning? Absolutely. So we just ask you, Holy Spirit, just to open up the scriptures to us this morning, God. Just bring light to our eyes. Amen? I've entitled this message, uh, When Are You Due? Um, I've never been pregnant, but uh, my wife has quite a few times. And uh, I've noticed that whenever a woman is pregnant like Asha or Grace, she stepped out for a minute, but what's the most common question that a pregnant woman gets? When are you due, right? <laughs> when are you due? <laughs> they might get tired of ha- been, being asked that question. And uh, so that's why I want to entitle this, this message this morning, because I was thinking about Mary, you know, how she got that question um, asked to her, I'm sure, on many occasions. And uh, isn't it interesting how God, God makes some divine messes, doesn't he? I mean, in Mary's situation... He kind of started out this whole scenario, well, to be honest, with a bit of a crisis pregnancy. You know, um, can't you just hear the gossip, the whispers about Mary? It's a teenage pregnancy. And uh, I even think about her, uh, her, soon, her betrothed, Joseph, her fiance, who the, uh, Matthew tells us was thinking about breaking up with her, you know, but was warned by God. Uh, you got pregnant, how? <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, that's an interesting one, you know? And uh, so all these different questions, all these different scenarios, all these different thoughts when we're looking at this passage, I think are really key because we're going to see in the passage some of the responses and the questions that Mary had. And I want to bring this home to our lives together. So let's look at this, Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! We sang that this morning. Rejoice! Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying 
and considered what manner of greeting is this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know, in our lives, just like in Mary's situation, what you believe about your situation will determine the outcome. And in Mary's case, she had a decision to make, didn't she? She had a decision to believe whether she was highly favored, really, or whether she was in a very confusing mess. Highly favored. What do you believe in about your situation? Do you believe that you're highly favored? Because God believes that you are. I, I, I think I can say that with great confidence. Each one of us here this morning has been born as a part of a generation that has found extreme favor with God. How do I know that? Well, think about this. One of the fir- one I, what I believe was the first greatest generation was the deliverer's generation, Moses. And what did Satan try to do to Moses' generation? He tried to wipe him out, right? That's why he was put in a reed basket and put in the Nile, because the Pharaoh said, kill all the baby boys. The second most important generation was Jesus' generation. What did King Herod try to do? Through, you know, inspired by Satan, tried to wipe them out. Well, I believe when we sit here on, uh, well, the Mayans got it wrong. I guess, what's today? December the 23rd, 2012. We're sitting at somewhere around 40.5 million people in our generation have been wiped out through the abortion holocaust, Right? So, in a sense, um, we're all Holocaust survivors here. Uh, Well, I was born the year after Roe v. Wade in 1974, so I consider my generation to be the Holocaust survivor generation. Um, I very easily could not be here today, and um, if you were born after 1973 as well. So, but what that tells me is there must be something awfully important must be something awfully important that God has, is uh, birthing in each one of you guys. And I feel like the Lord wants to encourage you this morning as we're celebrating His birth, that just like Mary, that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon her and the seed of, of God was planted in her womb. So the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And each person sitting here, the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you, whether you realize it or not. I believe just because you're sitting here, you qualify, but let Him do it even more. The power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and He's planted something inside of your spiritual womb that is soon to be born. And the question is, what does every pregnant lady get, get asked? When are you due? When are you due? And behold, you will conceive in your womb and will bring forth a son, and he shall shall call his name Jesus. We sing about Emmanuel, right? Sarah's not in here, but she was telling me yesterday just how striking that name Emmanuel. God with us, through all of our suffering, through the pain of life, through the difficulty of our generation, God with us. Emmanuel. He walks with us this morning. And he shall be great. 
and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You know, what you believe about your situation will determine the outcome. But secondly, your belief comes from what he tells you to be true. It's the faith of Christ, right? So in this situation with Mary, she had a crisis of belief, but he came and he gave her all this information. He said, this is what God says. This is who is in your womb. This is who you really are. You know, and as I look at the world today, I see a lot of people not really understanding completely who they are. Because of that orphan spirit that has come to rob that thing from us. Realize this Christmas the extreme, outrageous gift that God the Father has given you this morning with great joy, with a papa's heart of joy and laughter. Not only has he given you himself, but he's put himself inside of you. There is greatness inside of your womb, so to speak. There is power, there's authority. All the kingdom resides inside of us, right? Like Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So your belief comes from what He tells you is true, not our circumstances. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for, who, who, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Does that phrase show up somewhere else in the Bible? I think it originates with the prophet Jeremiah. But I was thinking about all the different situations. I'm not going to go through the list. But I think about Lazarus and Jesus telling his sisters, just believe. For with me all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believes. Yeah, I know disappointment works against that, doesn't it? Frustration and fear and doubt, all these things that creep in. But do you really think that Mary and Joseph are any different than us? I mean, do you really think? Sure, when are you due? Well, in Mary's situation, God had appointed a time on the timeline in history when He would humble Himself, like Philippians says, and, and give up His, his, uh, his throne in heaven, become a baby in a manger, and ultimately grow into a man. That time came. But in terms of their humanity, Mary and Joseph are not any different than a man and woman sitting in this room this morning. They had the same temptation or struggle with doubt or fear or confusion or trying to figure out a situation because from the get-go, they had this crisis pregnancy situation. They had to navigate this. 
They had to step out there in faith, right? They had to ultimately, I think, probably go through the same doubts and struggles as a parent that I go through. Now, okay, they had the Son of God as their child, but they had other children. You know, so they're going through the same difficulty. In your situation, with the seed that God has planted inside of you, we always ask the when and the how question, don't we? Well, how's that going to work out? And when are you going to do this, God? You know? Take a look at Mary and Joseph's response here. You know, it's just a response of absolute trust. It's a response of absolute faith. Now, in preparation for this, I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, Matthew, there is uh, something that's been planted that I've planted at River Life in this uh, excuse me, specific church. River Life is favored, and uh, we've become pregnant with something radical. And I believe this is something, and so I was asking the Lord about that. Okay, well, what is it, Lord? You know, is it, is it miracles? Is it healing? Is it, is it prophecy? Is it, you know, whatever. Is it giving? Is it money, Lord? Please say it's money. <laughs> he said, no and yes. It's radical love. Pour radical love into you. So corporately, in our spiritual womb, I believe there's a radical love that's going to express itself. It is expressing itself, but it will continue to express itself. You know, um, one thing that I took note of last Saturday at Chris's memorial was the people outside of our church. There, I had about three separate conversations with people who were blown away by the real fellowship and the real community that God, by His grace, has given us at River Life. They just, they really were, were it was a really a remarkable thing. And, uh, you know, some of them tweeted about it and made posts on social media and stuff. And uh, I thought, you know, there's a lot of places with more resources and more money and, more people and doing all these things, and that's wonderful. But one of the things that we can treasure, the gift God's given us, is real community. You know, real community comes from honesty. Real community comes from the agape, from the agape love of the Father. And uh, Byron was commenting this week that he could see that in uh, Marlon and I's generation, that there has been an expression and a revelation on the love of God that is truly unique, that wasn't necessarily, that was added upon to his generation that they didn't necessarily have. And I was just commenting, yo, I know why the, the love of God is so radical in my heart, because I know that I was dying, and the love of God for no reason of myself reached me. You know, I know why the love of God is radical, because through all the turmoil and pain, we know, like Becky said, we've tasted and seen. We know that Jesus is standing right there. You know, He is right by our side. And we are lovers of His presence. That's why the radical love of God will find all kind of faces. 
And you'll find all kind of expressions in 2013. But let that thing be in you. As just as the Holy Spirit planted in Mary, let that love grow in your womb. Let it just, let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you. And that radical love come upon you. Because I believe there's a new kind of weeping this coming year. It's not a weeping of mourning, but it's a weeping of rejoicing. And it's a weeping over the lost. There's a great burden on the loss that God's putting on our hearts right now. And it's because of the gold refined in the fire that He's put us in this season. This love is just going to burst forth. I wish I had words to express it, but I can just see it. I can just see. In fact, you know, Byron, when you were telling us to close our eyes and put ourselves in that scene, what I saw, and maybe partly because it's Christmas, is Jesus handed me this little box. This little box. And when I opened it up, the greatest light just exploded out of it that I had ever seen. I mean, it was a remarkable light. It was an indescribable light. It was that light of heaven, you know, that's only in heaven. That light you hear the eyewitnesses say just comes from everything. There's just light from everything because he is the light. And that John spoke and said the light is love. Those are synonymous. That's what it is. So that light is here. It's been birthed inside of us. Since I don't have words, let me use Paul's. And uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. You guys, I know, are real familiar with this passage. And actually, I'm not going to read the passage itself, but I want to read uh, a commentary that goes through it. So it may be up there on the screen, but I'm not going to read through that. Just listen to this. And here's what I want to, I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to do this. As I read this, impart this kind of love into the hearts of our spirit. Let this love sink deep inside the mind of our hearts, the mind of our spirit. Let it become the very essence and fiber of who we are. Love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. Love is kind Active in doing good. Love does not envy. Since it is non-possessive and non-competitive. It actually wants other people to get ahead. Hence, it does not parade itself. Love has a self-effacing quality. It is not ostentatious. Love is not puffed up. Treating others arrogantly. It does not behave rudely, but displays good manners and courtesy. Love does not seek its own, insisting on its own rights and demanding precedence. Rather, it is unselfish. Love is not provoked. It is not irritable or touchy, <laughs> rough or hostile but is graceful under pressure. Love thinks no evil. It does not keep an account of wrongs done to it. Instead, it erases resentments. Why don't we just stop right there and let the Holy Spirit take an eraser and erase resentments. You want to do that with me right now? Why don't you just close your eyes? Thank you, Holy Spirit.
Just see that eraser erasing the resentment, erasing the pain, erasing the anger, the bitterness. Mm. That's a precious gift, isn't it? Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Finding satisfaction in the shortcomings of others and spreading an evil report. Rather, it rejoices in the truth, aggressively advertising the good. Love bears all things, defending and hold, defending and holding other people up. Let me read that again. Love bears all things, defending and holding other people up. We've done a bit of that, haven't we? And I like this one. Love believes the best about others. Credits them with good intentions. And is not suspicious. That's hard to do, isn't it? Can, you do, can we let the Holy Spirit do that for us? Is that Holy Spirit, if you would just enable us to believe the best about others. Credit them with good intentions. And not be suspicious. Love hopes all things. It's never given up on people. But affirming their future. Love endures all things. Preserving and remaining loyal to the end. Gifts in contrast. Like Christmas gifts. In contrast to love, are partial, not complete. They're temporal. They're not eternal. They communicate imperfect rather than perfect knowledge. Everything in this age compared to the perfection of the new creation is a, at a child stage, including all the gifts. Of course, Paul is speaking of the gifts of the Spirit. Rather than suggesting the demise of the gifts during this age or at some early point in history, this passage proves just the opposite. That that which is perfect is love. So see, the gifts are being revealed. They will continue to be revealed in this next year. But they're all going to come out of the perfection of Himself, which is His light and His love. Amen? And um, so I just want to take, I want you to take one more moment. This might sound a little funny, but uh, I want you to um, just imagine yourself being pregnant, okay? <laughs> if you're a man, I know that's really hard to do. But just what I mean by that is I want you to just imagine this thing that God has planted in the womb of your spirit. Because while corporately it's the love of God, that love has many expressions. For some of us, this coming year is going to be a year of radical giving, which is a gift. For others, it's going to be a radical year of healing. For others, it's going to be a radical year of service, even a radical year of administration. 
This year is going to be a year where the body works as one in harmony. And I just wanted you to take a moment here as we're sitting together as a body and ask the Lord or just picture it and see if the Lord gives you anything. What is it for me, Lord? What have you planted in my womb? What is growing in there? What is this, this baby to come to, to be born? What is this thing, God? Just let him speak to you, just real gently. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anybody feel anything? I'm not going to ask you to share. Don't worry. Anybody feel anything? Just raise your hand. Good. Quite a few people. You know, Byron's been teaching and preaching on the house of God, right? And, uh, man, who was a greater house of God than Mary? Right? Her womb literally was the house of God. It was the house of heaven. So ultimately, you know, that gets passed on to us here. Um, I was just thinking about that, tying that in. But the last thing I want to say is, and praise God, you know, the Immaculate Conception happened and the preacher got done early. But uh, (laughs) miracles are breaking out already. The last thing that I want to say is, the instructions to Mary were that this thing is going to happen as the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So let us never forget or forsake or disdain or stop going after the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as we worship this morning, I could just sense the glory realm of heaven being released in our hearts. Amen? You can sense a shift in the atmosphere even in this room. And why are we doing that? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is released. The power of the Holy Spirit is coming upon you. And it's like an incubator for that seed in your spiritual womb. It's that atmosphere of worship, the atmosphere of thanksgiving and praise and that Romans 12, let your whole life be worship. Is that atmosphere of worship is just, it's an incubator for that seed in your spiritual womb. That thing is coming out. Why? Because it's love, right? What's the first thing that you feel that you sense spiritually as we enter an atmosphere of worship? Oh, how loved I am, right? How much peace there is in this river of His perfect peace. How much wellness, how much wholeness. Let that power of the Holy Spirit come upon you now. So I just also just feel like I want to pray for some people. Um, and if Jacob, you can come back up and uh, play play here. I just want to invite anybody that wants to. That uh, I just like to put my hands and put my hands on you and release um, just by faith the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you even as it came upon Mary just through an impartation that that gifting okay listen you're unique you know you're you're the best Jesus your world's ever going to see i mean it's 
there's just nobody that can express Christ like you. And I, for some reason, I just feel like this is of critical importance for us right now. Is that the Holy Spirit wants to continue to empower us to use these things, these gifts that He's given us. So, uh, yeah. You know, this week, I just felt like the Lord was just highlighting, and I think this goes along with what He's talking about, about being impregnated. Highlighting for me that song, Emmanuel, God with us. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, Emmanuel, God with you. You know, that the Lord was saying to me, that was the whole reason I was coming, was because I wanted to be with, like really with. You know, then he, he died, he rose again, and his whole purpose was for the Holy Spirit to come to dwell in us, through us, among us, that, that He wanted to be with us. He wanted to be with us. He wanted us to be carriers of His presence. You know, when we sing that song, we were made for love. We were made for His presence. When I was on my way to church this morning, I was just feeling that thing of, this is what we were made for. That's why when you're in the presence, you feel like, oh, Okay, everything is all right. That's because we're where we're supposed to be, you know. And the Lord, I just want you guys to know and experience as you're going through Christmas. Just let the Lord just reveal Himself to you right where He is with you in the moment. His presence consuming you is that He is with us. He's saying, Emmanuel, God with you. I am with you always. You know, and I just think the Lord wants us to see him again afresh with us in the middle of it all. He just wants to reveal himself and his presence that we would be carriers of his presence. Is that really is his desire, you know. So, so amen, let's stand up. Um, thank you, Lord. Let's say this, what Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. Let's do that again. Let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that a powerful? Wow. Lord, we just say, let it be to me according to your word. We just accept that implantation into the womb of our spirit, Lord. Just say, come. Come, Lord. Come. Let it be to us, Lord. Let it, We want to be everything you've called us to be. Every word that is spoken before time, before we were even in our mother's womb, Lord, you created us for particular things, Lord God. Particular calls particular words we would carry in the womb of our spirit, Lord. And we say, let it be. Let it be, Lord, according to Your Word. If you want to respond to the Lord this morning, we have prayer team ministry people up. Last week we had somebody healed. Bonnie Stewart was healed when we lay hands on her. She had a leg that she came in here actually limping, had been limping for a while. She went home and took a nap. And got up and was healed. Isn't that something? 
So we're praising the Lord for that today. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Lord. So listen, if you're sick and need a touch from the Lord this morning, if you need a touch on the inside of yourself, or you need something from the Lord on the inside, often if you're touched on the inside, you'll be good on the outside. Right? So amen. So we just uh, bless you today, Lord. We thank you for the word that came forth. We thank you. Lord, for the worship, we thank you for the house of God. We thank you for River Life Fellowship, the people of God. We just bless you, Lord. And we're going to go ahead and dismiss you. We have eight poinsettias up here. And if you want one, you might have to run up and get one. But we want you to go ahead and take one today so you can.